Dear Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you for today, Lord. I just, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being our Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for being our Savior. God, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you, God, for each and everything that you've done for us, God. As we come before you tonight and we get in your word, God, I just ask you, Lord God, to lead me and guide me, Lord. And, and God, just bring out of the scripture, Lord God, what you want to be brought out, Lord. And let it deposit it inside of us, Lord. And let us uh, grow according to your will, Lord. And let us grow and prosper, Lord, as our soul prospers, as it says there in 1 John. God, I just ask for your spirit, your Lord, your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to dwell with us here. And Lord, just um, help us to lean and, and uh, be, uh, let the word be the guide. God, I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. And we lift you up and we glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name, I pray. He says there in, um, <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, he says, Therefore the prisoner, therefore the prisoner of the Lord, he said, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And you've got to stop and think about what Paul was saying and whenever he was, he was saying these things and through the Holy Spirit, I know. But whenever he's saying here, you're talking about a man that was in prison. You're talking about a man that was probably in chains, that he was held in this prison. And although, I mean, you think about whenever all he was going through and what he said here, he says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, he said, he said I beseech you. And you look up that word, and it means to request earnestly or to beg. So he's saying here, you're talking about a man that's in prison. And he said, I'm begging you to walk worthy of the calling in which you've been called. And only you know what the calling that God has placed on your life. Only you know, and that's something he said, if you'll seek, you'll find. That's something we need to ask in our own, all of our lives. Say, God, what are you calling me to do? And we need to find those paths and say, God, I want to walk down those paths that, that you've called me to do. And whenever I think about him being in those chains, and whenever I was reading some of this stuff earlier, and I talk about him in his prison, and here he is bound by all these chains, and probably couldn't even leave this room at this time, and he's writing or having all these things written down, and he's still begging us to walk worthy. I want to get to that spot. And you know, that charged me on the inside and I kind of got excited and and man I, I really I, I, I was really just growing from that scripture right there he said to to or which you were called he's with all lowliness at this time you know it ain't very popular to be lowly is it <clears throat> but what did it say about Jesus he said he said he was coming lowly on a donkey right so he was considered he said he come lowly on a donkey on a donkey and he said gentleness with long suffering bearing with one another in love. And he's just saying there that we should treat others on how God has treated us. Sometimes I drop the ball on that. Because, but when I look back and I see how God has treated me and all the things that I've been forgiven for, it makes me want to give back the things that God has given me. And he said here that we ought to walk with one another in love. He said, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling. And as I was talking about a while ago about the callings and how we have callings on our lives, that <clears throat> I've done different tasks. My calling is to follow Jesus Christ. 
My calling is to have my ear to the Lord. My calling is to have a relationship with the Lord. That's my calling. But although my task will change in life, and I learned this uh, listening you know, to Brother Matthew and through the Word of God, that my task will change. And I started looking at my life and how, how whenever I got saved, I started... First, I started doing things of testimonial things. I started doing some speaking like that. Then I started doing some singing. Then the next thing you know, I started uh, doing some preaching and teaching. So although my task may change in life, my calling stayed the same. My calling, my calling was to have a relationship with the Lord. And just like whenever Abraham, <clears throat> what he do? He, he took Isaac to the top of the hill, you know, and he was going to take him up here to, to sacrifice him, right? But whenever he was taking him up through there, what did he keep doing on the way? He kept listening to the Lord, right? What if he didn't listen? What if he didn't keep listening to the Lord? And the Lord spoke to him, though, and he told him, he said, that he would provide the lamb, and thank God that he did, right? And he goes on to say there, he says, that one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And see, at this time, the Jews and the Gentiles, and the Jews thought there was going to be a, a different faith or a different baptism for the Gentile than it was the Jews. And he's trying to clear this up here, and he's telling him, he says, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism. He said, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. A lot of times when you, whenever I'm praying for somebody, I'll pray for somebody and I'll say, God, I know that all things is from you. All things is through you, and all things are to you. I recognize that anything that I have is coming from the Lord. And I recognize that. And what he's saying there, he's saying there, he says that uh, one God, one Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. He said, but to each one of us, he said, grace was given. According to the measure of Christ's gift. And you think about what he says there. He said each one of us. He said grace was given. It wasn't something that he worked for. You ever seen somebody in the route trying to work for, work for salvation? How miserable that must be. But you know Matthew 11. He said come unto me all you who labor and weary and heavy laden. He said and I will give you rest. And he said this grace was given because it isn't anything that I've done. But it's what Jesus done on the cross that we're saved by that grace. And he said this was given to him freely. And it, it isn't anything that we've done. It's just he didn't find it. He didn't work for it. He said it was given to him. And he says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. Well, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. And I was reading some of this stuff and I was trying to put it all together. And then I was going over to Psalms in 68. I don't know if you ever read Psalm 68 there in verse 18 where it talks about this same exact language. And then I was applying it over to First Peter and <clears throat> First Peter in chapter three, and where he's talking about that he led captivity captive. See, whenever Jesus went to the cross, those three days that that uh, that he was gone, he went to the lower parts of the earth. There, right? And what did he do when he went to those lower parts of the earth? It says he went to the lower parts, and it, in First Peter chapter three, and it says that he preached. To the angels. And he's talking about the fallen angels. The ones that followed, that followed Satan. And he says he went down there and preached to them. And you know when I got to studying that out. And I thought to myself. I was like. 
God, why did you go down there and preach? But my flesh got involved. How many of us ever do this? <laughs> my flesh got involved. And I was like, I bet he went down there and he told them, you can't overthrow me, that you, was, uh, that you were defeated. And he said, I told you that I was going to defeat hell and the grave. I, I wanted to say that he went down there and said those things because that's what I would have said. And I got to thinking about it. And I, went, and I looked up what preached. And it means that he announced something. And I got thinking who Jesus is. And I was like, Lord, you were much too humble for that. So what he went down there and said, I, I don't know. But I knew know what he did do. He brought those out of them graves. When he come back, those people come out of those graves, right? And they come out of those graves and they went to go home to heaven because the blood had to be applied, right? <clears throat> And he goes on to say there, he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles. He said, Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and, and teachers. He says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And when he says here, And he himself gave some to be apostles, well, of course... We need those gifts and we need apostles that's going around that are planting churches, that are overseeing churches, that are doing these things for the ministry and how some are prophets and how they'll give us words either for right now or maybe for in the future. And he said evangelist and how we need evangelists that's out here on these street corners and they're going out here from church to church and spreading the word and, and spreading the, the good news, the, the gospel and telling others about Christ and how... How we need pastors, pastors to lead the flock, and how we need those pastors. But most of all, that last one I love. He said, and teachers. What if a pastor only comes and he only preaches to his flock? What if he only preaches and he only, he'll only read a verse or two and he preaches and he preaches and he preaches. But see, that's why I looked at teachers and how teachers are so important. Because once I started understanding the word, once I was taught to what it really meant to my word, I got hungry for it. You know, if you go to a restaurant and you go to somewhere that you don't like, you're probably not going to go back, right? Because you're not going to get full. Even if, you do get, even if you do eat something and you get full, you're still not satisfied, right? But see, there's whenever I started understanding the Word of God and I started understanding what it was trying to tell me, that's why I think that moments like this right here, how we just open up the Word of God, and we just go through it verse by verse and just say it for what it means. The Word will do the teaching. All my, you know, all my job is to do is to read the Word of God. It'll do the rest. That's why whenever you start understanding this, you get a hunger for it. And when you start understanding God's Word, see, there's a difference from understanding it and just hearing it. Because whenever you start understanding it, you start applying it to your lives. And guess what it starts doing? It starts changing you. That's why teachers are so important. And he goes on to say, he says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I know this has probably got twisted and over time, and these things have got twisted and done in ways that probably shouldn't have been. A lot of people have drawn attention to their self. But what did he say, this verse right here? Why, does, why was these gifts given out for? To edify the body. Of Christ. And he, ain't, he said, No flesh or glory in my presence, but it's to glorify God. And that's why all these things was given out here. And he says here, he says, Till we all come into the unity 
of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine for the trickery of men. In the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, he said, but speaking the truth in love. When you think about that, he said, speaking the truth in love. This was something that I really had to grow in. When I very first started speaking, my wife would say, she'd say, Dwayne, you look like you're mad. I said, no, I'm not mad, I'm serious. But I learned over time that you can say things in a way, although you're saying the truth, you still say them in a way that runs people off. Because before I got saved, I was a really blunt person, and I didn't really care if it hurt your feelings or not. But once I got saved, and, and Craig's over laughing, but once I've got saved and I've had to try to reword things to where you can tell somebody with love, and I started thinking about how Jesus and how he's told me things and how he's handed things off to me in a way that I would receive it. That he give them to me with love because he is love. And I, and I started learning from that. And I started watching other people and how they, would, how they would deliver things. And I was like, man, that's good. Why didn't I think of that? But, but he's, you, know, you start seeing how you can hand things off and still get your point across and not hurt their feelings and not run them away and still give them that same word and it still do the same amount of work but you give it to them with love and you still give them the truth and it still and it and it does a work inside of them and it says there that he done it in love he said that may grow up in all things into him and who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And he's saying there, he's just saying that you shouldn't walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. And what he's saying there is, is uselessness. If you look up futility... Of their mind, it means pointlessness and uselessness. You ever been that person when you was out here seeking your own desires and what you think is worth something, what you think is meaningful, once you become saved, you realize that that really didn't have no value. The only thing that has value is us sitting in this church tonight. The only thing that has value is those people out here in the world. The only thing that has value is loving your neighbor. The only thing that has value is the things that mean something to God. See, I used to be one of those people that, you know, when you have um, trucks or you have, you know, vehicles and all these things, and, and, you know, you had to keep them all spotless. Whoever been that person? Everything had to be spotless. You would clean your vents out with a toothbrush because you couldn't have no. But see, once I've got saved, and you see, I see that that vehicle don't have no value. It don't mean nothing to me no more. Because when God comes back, you know what He's going to do to that vehicle? He's going to burn it to the ground. So you know what? It don't mean as much to me no more. Because when you grow in Christ, you start growing into 
the things that, ma- things that matter to God start to matter to you, right? That's a sign of growth. And you realize that these things, that they're just all passing away and it don't, it don't have no value. <clears throat> and he's just saying there that as you should, he said, there, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. He's just saying, he said, walk in a, worthy, or in a way that's worthy of being, being called a son of God. And when you think about that, y'all remember being in school when you're walking down the hallway and say the principal or some teacher knew who you were. Say this teacher. <laughs> say the teacher knew who you were or they knew that you were the son of your grand, or the grandson of your grandpa and because they knew your grandpa when you seen them, you, you automatically walked a little bit straighter. Do y'all remember doing this? Say that, well, so-and-so knows my dad. I better straighten up. He's trying to say this in, this in this verse. He's saying, walk worthy of being called a son of God. Because when you're out there in the, and you're, say you're in the gym and you're doing all these things wrong, that you, whenever you're doing something, you're not, hold, you're not acting and being uh, held accountable for the raising that you've had, right? But when you've seen those, per- or those people that you knew that knew your dad, they knew that knew your mom or knew your grandpa, and because you respected your grandpa or your dad or your mom, you... You walked a little bit straighter. You ever had this moment besides me? Okay, he said, and he says, therefore, he says, in testifying the Lord that you shall no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. You know that if you're alien from something, it means you have no right to it. So he says here that they was alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness Because of the blindness of their heart, he said, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And whenever he's saying here about about being past feeling, I was looking some of this stuff up. He says, when one's skin becomes callous and no longer sensitive to pain. He said they'd been past feeling. Feeling. You know, God had dealt with their heart for so long and they had put walls up in their life. And maybe some of us has even went through this time and this spell in our life that God had worked on our heart, but we begin to put walls up and we begin to get calloused like a calloused. And, and you know what that callous, what it does, it's like a callous on your hand. Whenever you've worked and you've rubbed against something for over time, you get those callous. And guess what? Whenever you rub it, it don't hurt no more. But when you very first grabbed that steel or those branches and pulling those branches, you know what? It kind of hurt at first, but over time it got calloused and it didn't hurt no more, right? So we've done that in our own lives. And this word blindness here can also be understood as hardening. The Greek word is used medically to denote the calloused form when the bone has been fractured and reset. The callous is even harder than the bone itself. Have we ever had that time in our life when we've got calloused? And we've not let people get in on our feelings because we've been hurt before. But whenever God come knocking and God, whenever he knocked on it, we didn't let him in. Because we'd got calloused and we didn't feel those things no more. But you know, that's something about God. He said he would take out that old stony heart. And he would give you a new heart. 
and he would give you a new mind. See, I thank God for his promises. And I thank God how he'll tear walls down and he'll take out those calluses to where you learn to love. He'll, he'll take out those calluses where you learn to love other people. He'll take all those calluses out to where you want to love and you want to feel those things, right? I remember when I very first, well, when I first got saved that I had to learn how to deal with feelings. I wasn't used to feeling all those things. I'd built walls up. And he tore off all those calluses to where he'd give me a new heart and a new mind. And I had to learn. I had to learn how to uh, deal with things. Because whenever you become numb to everything over a span of time, you forget how to do all of that. You forget what all that feels like. But whenever them things come back, you have to learn to walk again. But you know, I thank God he said he would take all those things away. And he says there in this verse, he said, had given themselves over to lewdness. That word lewdness. And uh, it's spelt, the word that, that I looked up here is A-S-E-L-G-E-I-A. -E -E I ain't going to try to pronounce that. I know somebody that could, but I ain't going to. But the meaning of it is, it means excess. It means absent of restraint. Indecency and wantonness. Does that sound like today? I used to be that person. Absent of restraint. Meaning there was no limit that you wouldn't cross. Didn't have a limit. And I start looking at the world and I start seeing, it says right there that they had been given over. He said they were past feeling and they was giving themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. It says that they, they were in excess and they was in wantonness. And you look at the world and we see them and how they want, they want, they want, they want, trying to fill needs and voids in their life. But things, you can't fill things in this life when it can only be filled with God. That's the only thing that can fill your void. But how come is it? You know, the Bible says that, he said, you seek ye the kingdom of God first. And he said, everything else will be added to you. But how come is it? I don't know about you guys, but I can speak of my, life, my own personal life. Seek the world first and try to get feel everything in the world in your life. And then finally, when you're miserable enough, say, okay, God, I'll surrender. You'll surrender to your life, your life to Him, and guess what? He starts adding everything back together. And you think, Lord, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? Or why didn't I do this 40 years ago? How much further along that I would be on my walk today if I would have only surrendered back then? <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and he goes on to say here, he says, But you have not so learned Christ. So he's saying here in 20, he says, well, we have a responsibility to learn the Word of God. He said, you have this responsibility to learn the Word, to become more like Christ. He says, if you're practicing all these things that I'm just sitting here going through here right now, all these tall things that I was talking about, he said, you've not learned Christ. And he goes on, so we have a responsibility 
to get in God's Word and apply it to our lives. And he goes on in the 20 or in the 21, he says, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows, grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. This uh, has the same idea as taking off and putting on a new set of clothes. <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, whenever you get saved, you may say, you know, you believe in Christ. That when you start following Christ, you might say, well, you know what? I, I kind of don't, don't feel a whole lot different. But you've accepted Christ and you've made Him as your Lord and your Savior. It's kind of like taking off a set of clothes. It has the idea of changing into a different conduct. You, be start, you start coming a new person. You know, I've often said and talked to people whenever they've gotten saved, and I'll say, well, if there is no change, well, there probably is no change. But a lot of times, though, we can... You take like a prisoner. Say when a prisoner gets out of prison, and if he gets out of prison and he still wears those same old prison clothes... And here he's got all these same prison clothes on. He still acts like with the same old attitude. He still has the same demeanor. He still has the same actions. Is he still free? Is he really free? No, he's still bound to that same attitude. He's still bound to those same prison rules. But see, whenever he starts taking off those prison clothes, and he starts putting on a new set of clothes, and he starts thinking, you know, he starts changing the way that he thinks about himself, and he puts on those new attitudes, and he starts changing the way he looks at himself, he starts changing the way that he looks and the other people looks at him. And you know what? We can't wait until we feel like a new person. We've got to start becoming a new person before we feel like it. You've got to put on that new conduct, and over time, you start growing with the Lord, and you start coming into a new person. See, I can remember whenever I got saved, I've probably done some things then that I don't do today. Over time, God started stripping things out of my life. And I can look that now, like five years ago, I don't do some things that I did then. But see, that's the journey. We should be able to look on our journey and say, you know what, I'm, I'm seeing now that I've grew from now from a year ago. And listen, that only comes by right here. By the Word of God. If not, if you're not getting the Word of God into your life, God will starve to death. And he goes on to say there that... Uh, in 23, he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do we renew our mind? I know, remember when I got saved, I had to renew this. It had a lot of wrong stuff in there. But I had to get in the Word of God. And over time, I think it's, I'm trying to quote Romans 12, verse 2. He says on Romans 12, verse 2, and Lord, help me on this verse. By, he says, and be renewed by, and being renewed, I mean, renew your mind by the washing of the water of the word. I think it is. It's, it's something like that. But he goes on to say here in 24, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's why it's so important to get in the word of God. That's why it's so important that we get under teachers. Yes, whenever we get saved and we hear the Word of God, but you know there's a step past whenever you get saved that you must get in the Word of God. And I know for me in my life, I would try to read the Word and I would be like, Lord, I ain't understanding this. 
But once I started sitting under somebody that taught me what it said, it started changing me. And then once I started understanding how to study the Bible, it took me a little bit farther. And once I started understanding it and I started getting the hunger for it, I wanted more of it and I wanted more of it. And guess what it started doing? Dwayne started changing. And it wasn't anything that I was doing. I was just following Christ and listening to the Word of God and try to apply it to my life. And he says in 24, he says, Then that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in the true righteousness and holiness. What's the Bible say? He said, Old things are passed away and all things become new, right? And you've learned by uh, listening to Matthew, he says, Old things are passed away. And in the Greek, it means all things are becoming new. You could see that you're slowly becoming less like yourself and more like Jesus Christ, right? And it only happens by following Him and following through the Word of God there. He says that um, in 25, He says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. <clears throat> and you realize there that, that uh, you have to put away lying. You know, if I, if I pour water into a cup, you know what I'm going you know to pour out of that cup? Water. If I pour juice into a cup, I'm going to pour juice out of a cup, right? If I pour milk into a cup, I'm going to pour the milk back out. Same with our life. If you pour the Word into you day in and day out, guess what's going to come back out? But if you don't pour it in, it can't come out. And whenever he says they're putting away lying, <clears throat> lying would be something of the old man. See, lying would be something that doesn't edify the body of Christ. Because, see, this is we're all members of one another is what the Bible says. So, so if we're here and we're here to glorify the body of Christ, and I'm lying to that person, or if I'm lying to someone in the body, if I walk up and I put my hand on a stove that's hot, and my body says, that ain't hot, just leave it lay there. It's going to harm the body, Right? And see, that's part, that would be part of the old man. He says, well, do away with those old things. Do away with the old man because it don't edify the body. And he goes on to say there in 26, he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Well, he's telling me, though, although I'm saved and although I'm following Christ, guess what I'm still going to have to deal with sometimes? Getting angry. We're still flesh. We're still in this fleshly body. But he's saying here, he said, you have to grow to where you can deal with your anger in a way that's still worthy of being called a son of God. Ain't that what we were talking about earlier? He said, be able to deal with those things in a way that's still worthy of being called son of God. Well, look at it. How would Jesus handle this situation? Well, <clears throat> he goes on to say in the rest of that verse right there, he says, and do not let your son, or do not let the son go down on your wrath. So have you ever had a scab and you didn't want to bother nah, I don't want to bother it right now but you know what happened it started festering and you still didn't want to bother it nah I'm not going to deal with it it'd be alright over time it got infected right <laughs> whenever that scab and here it is it's getting infected and before you know it oh don't even touch it because you just barely touch it it's, oh it's hurting it's hurting but see if you'd only dealt with that situation right when it happened it wouldn't have been near as painful would it but see, that's what we, I know Dwayne's done this in time. I don't want to deal with that right now, so I'll put it off. And over time, as time goes by, guess what starts happening? It festers. And you 
tuck it a little bit deeper. And guess what it does? It festers a little more. But see, that's why he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Be able to handle those situations as they arise because they'll be much more easier to deal with before they fester. I know I've let things fester in life. And I know we can probably all say, God, I've got some things that's festered that I want to deal with. But you know what? Sometimes it hurts when you deal with a sore that's festered, ain't it? But with the help of God... He'll take that soreness out. With the help of God, He'll take that infection out. In the help of God, you'll be able to touch that and heal that wound to where it's not sore no more. And we've all probably had moments in our life that we've had to face these things. He says, nor give place to the devil. He said, let him who stole steal no longer, but, let, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who, who, who has need. So he's trying to, or he's saying there, he says, for those who steal. He's talking about people who steal, and that would be the traits of an old man that we need to put off. And he says, let him work and labor with his hands. So if he's out stealing, he's probably already, you can already see he's probably lazy. But he said, get out of him, get out and work for his, with his hands. And I got somebody over here laughing at me. But he said, let him get out and work with his hands, not also to supply the needs for himself and his family, but let him also have something to give to somebody in need. And that would show the heart change, wouldn't it? As Christians, we give. If somebody's in need, we help them. They're our brother, they're our sister in Christ. And it's to edify the body of Christ. We'll help somebody that's in need. And he goes on to say here, uh, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is, but, uh, what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God of whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Well, what is some ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit? I started thinking about that when I was coming through here. And I was like, Lord, you ever I, I ain't got time to pray today. But you've got to think, God's always with us. And he sees us over hanging out with our friends. And he sees us over watching TV shows. And he sees us over here on the phone. And he sees us on Facebook. And he'll see us on social media. And he sees us doing ball games. And he sees us over doing all these things. But God, I ain't got time right now to read the Bible. And, you ever th and I, when I was coming through here, and this is just things that I ask my own life, my own self. I'm not, I'm not putting it on nobody else, but... I think about him and how he's here with me. And how sometimes I say, God, <clears throat> I ain't got time right now to read the Bible. But I had time to watch the ball game. And how sometimes we can grieve the Holy Spirit because he's wanting to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with you daily. He loves you, and He's here for your benefit. And how sometimes we can say, Well, God, I ain't got time for you right now. i got to do this. Like doing this is more important than hanging out with God. Forgive me, Lord. <clears throat> See, this is why I love the Word. It, it, um, it does its job, don't it? He says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking 
be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I know I can look at my own life and I can see how God has forgiven me, how God has uh, worked in my life. And I see now that what all God has been doing for me and what all He's forgiven me of, and you know what? I want to give it back. I want to give back what he's, uh, what he's doing in my life. And I want other people to experience that. <clears throat> I mean, he says for us to do these things. Because uh, when you look at your life, you can realize that you can see how God has been tenderhearted to you. You can see how God has forgiven you. You can see how God is, has done things in your life. And it makes you, whenever you go through something and you see what God's done for you, it makes you want to rejoice that much more, don't it? He says, therefore be imitators, in verse, or chapter 5, he says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. He says, be imitators of God. <clears throat> we should always let God be the example, but you know, Jesus is more than the example. He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life, right? And he says there, he says, as dear children. Have you ever watched children? And you'll watch how they act and you know, how well, things they do. And if you'll watch them, they'll start, they'll imitate their parents. They'll imitate other adults. And whenever he's saying that, he says, imitate God as dear, dear children. You can look at your own life. He said, come unto him humble like a child, right? We automatically, if we'll come to him like a child, we'll automatically imitate God because that's our instinct as a child of God to follow or to imitate God. And when you look at it like that, and you say, God, I have this instinct in me to automatically want to, to follow you, to have this instinct to automatically want to do things that God has for me in my life as a child, it makes it a little easier, don't it? And he goes on to say there, he says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and giving himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for saints. <clears throat> he said, Not even let, let it be named among you as fitting for saints. And you've probably heard some people say in life, well, I, I'm just a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. I'm going to tell you, no, you're not a sinner. If you're saved and you're following Jesus Christ, you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ now, and you're not a sinner now. He says, see, you've been saved. At least listen, but what have you been saved from? You've been saved by more than just by, by, by death, hell, and the grave. You've been saved from a life of bondage and slavery to sin. I'm not considered a sinner no more. I'm considered a saint, what the Bible said right there. He says, as is fitting for saints. You're not a sinner no more. I may sin from time to time, but I ask God to forgive me and I keep moving forward. And you're considered a saint now because you're following Jesus Christ and I want to walk worthy of being called a son or a daughter of God. It changes the way you look at things, don't it? I'm not going to leave no lead way there. I used to be a sinner. But you know what? I've been redeemed. I have a Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
And he says there in 4, he says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. He says, For this you know that you were a fornicator, or, or for, that, for no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. See, this is why I love the Word of God. All i got to do is read it. It does the teaching. I don't even have to be the bad guy. All i got to do is read the Word of God. I love how it says it in Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. He said, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, whenever it says this, it does the teaching. It does the correcting. It does the discipline. And it tells you, for those who practice these things, he said, you, he said, you don't inherit the things or kingdom of God. So I looked at it and I said, Dwayne, Am I practicing? It's all about the things that you're practicing. Are you practicing, practicing the things of the world? Or are you practicing following God? That's what matters. Whenever you look at your life and say, God, I want to practice following you. I want to be an imitator of you, just like a dear child coming to you and follow you. And let that be my instinct is to follow you. That's what matters. And he goes on to say there, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. And I, I preached a few weeks back on Genesis 3 and how I was talking about how whenever the serpents came to Eve and he, he twisted the Word of God and how he twisted that. And before you know it, she was overeating the fruit because she was being deceived by this. And it goes on to say there, he says, that, uh, for, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He said, walk as children in the light. You know, he didn't, or he says there, he said, you were once darkness. He didn't say that you practice things of darkness. He didn't say you was around darkness. He said you were once darkness. And when you take this back to Genesis 1 there, on Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said the earth was without form. He said it was void. And he said darkness was on the face of the deep. He said and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. But then what he said, he said, God said, let there be light. And there was light, right? So whenever he's saying these things right here, that's a picture of salvation in our life. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and it was void. See, you ever been without form and void on the inside and you're trying to fill everything in the world to try to fill that void, as I said before, but it was only God that could fill that void. Man, he said, in darkness was on the face of the deep and how we were that darkness at one time. And he said, in the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. See, that's whenever God come to you. He said, you didn't choose me. He said, but I chose you, hallelujah, and my eyes were open and I seen right there that the light and I was changed. What did he say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? He said, you're not children of the light. He said, those who are drunk are drunk at night. He said, but you are children of the day, hallelujah. I didn't know I was going to start preaching. But he is the light. And we are to walk in that light and to shine our light unto the world. He said there, he said, what he's going on to say here, we can't avoid the darkness. He says to avoid the ways of darkness. But you know, when your light, it shines the brightest in the middle of the darkness. In the middle of the darkness is when that light shines the brightest. And he goes on, Lord, I don't even know where I'm at now. 
And he says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. How are we going to find out what's acceptable to the Lord if we don't never get into the Word of God and dissect it and go through it verse by verse and apply it to our lives and spend these times right here that we apply these, words, these verses to our lives. And if I don't hurry, I'm going to run out of time. Lord, slow the clock down, please. You can do all things. And he says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. See, he didn't say there, he didn't say to avoid the darkness. Or he says here, not to avoid the fellowship of the darkness. Don't avoid the people. He said to avoid the, the things in the darkness. Don't practice the things that, of the darkness. He said don't apply those things to your life. To so stay away from them things. Don't apply them. He said, but don't avoid the people. Because the people need to see the light that's in us. Hallelujah. And he goes on, he says in, uh, in 12, he says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You know something about being a Christian? You ever went through the motions before in your life? Being a Christian, sometimes it's, it's dangerous to go through the motions, ain't it? But you know what? When you're asleep, do you know that you can, uh, <clears throat> whenever you're asleep, you can speak when you're asleep. You ever heard somebody, you know, asleep talking? You ever, you know, you can walk when you're asleep. You know, you can hear when you're asleep. You know, you can sing. You can even think. But when you go through the motions, it's dangerous. In verse 15, it says here, what we must do in those times, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Circumspectly, in a careful and prudent way. Examine your walk as you walk through this world, knowing that you're called a son and a daughter of God. He said, examine your walk. Walk circumspectly. <clears throat> and not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. This is beginning to be, well, it's, it's become to be one of my favorite verses. What's that mean, Dwayne? Redeeming the time. Is it meaning redeeming the time, the clock back there? No. Is he saying, well, just make the best of every moment? Well, he's kind of saying that, but it's so much more powerful. Redeem the time. He's saying... Take every moment that you have on this life to glorify God. That's what he's saying. And why is he saying to do this for? Why is he saying, well, take every moment to glorify God because he sees what's at stake right here. He goes on to say there, he said, because the days are evil. And you think about him writing this then. You look at today... The days are evil. There's a lot at stake. We see what's at stake, right? He says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And again, he says that again. Understand what the will of the Lord is. That's, we only do that by spending time with God and prayer and conversation with Him and dissecting His Word. Get into His Word. Read it. That's how you find out, and because he, he says that again. In 18, he says, Do not be drunk with wine, with, or in which is dissipation, 
but be filled with the Spirit. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Listen, if you're filled with the Spirit, listen, the fruit of the Spirit will show. Don't tell me you're filled with the Spirit and you still act like the devil. It can't, you can't be. You're talking about the most, most powerful being that ever has been, ever will be, and you're telling me that you're filled with the Spirit and you still act like the, you're still acting like the world? I don't believe that. I know what the evidence of, the, of, the, of being filled with the Spirit. I've, I've read those things. But listen, if you're filled with the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit will come from you. You'll see that. The most powerful is being, you know, he, you know, because we have the Holy Spirit that lives in our lives, you know what? You should be able to look at that person because what? You know, the Holy Spirit, the most powerful is being that is and ever will be, lives inside of you and he. He said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Whenever I look at you, I should be able to say, hey, that that person's different. Chad, look at him. He's different today. I see a change in him. You know why? Because the Spirit of God lives in him. Amen. And he goes on to say there, he said, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And this next verse is where I'm going to close. And he said, giving thanks always for, th- er, for all things to God, the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to leave you with a thought. He says there, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My wife came home the other day and one of her employees asked her a question and she told me about it and it ministered to me. He said there, Giving thanks always to God. And the guy asked her, he said, what if you only had today what you thank God for yesterday? And he looked at her and he said, you know, I wouldn't have nothing. So honest asked herself, God, what would I have today? What if you only had today what you thank God for yesterday? Because what did he say in this verse? Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Lord, help us to walk circumspectly. God, help us to be thankful, God. Thankful for everything that you've given us, God. I know every good and perfect gift, perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, God. I know that all things are to you, from you, and through you, Lord. God, I just want to glorify you in everything that we do, Lord. And help us all to redeem the time, Lord God. Help us to glorify you in our actions, in our speech, Lord. Because, God, we see what's at stake. God, we want to, uh, to be that light, and uh, we want to walk worthy of being called your son and your daughter. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. In Jesus' mighty name.